to those who have been called, who are loved by God the Father, mercy, peace, and grace are yours in abundance through Christ Jesus. Aren't you just sick of it? The infighting, the bickering, the debates, that everyone saying that they're right and everyone who disagrees is wrong, everyone thinking that they're the correct ones and everyone else is just beneath them. Aren't you just sick of how many teams there are in the NFL? No, that's not how we talk about our teams, is it? We're proud to be fans of our team. We're proud to stick by them through good seasons. We're even proud to stick through them through not-so-good seasons. And maybe we hold out hope each season that they'll go to the Super Bowl. But if anyone says that our team is bad, oh, we'll go toe-to-toe in a second, won't we? But when it comes to conversations, to debates, to controversies in the Christian church, we don't get so excited, do we? It's a lot more upsetting. It's a lot more emotional. It's a lot more controversial when we see these different churches bickering, disagreeing with each other. So it's a little bit ironic, isn't it, that we would celebrate the Protestant Reformation, that we would be happy that we would sing hymns that celebrate this moment in church and world history when a bunch of fights broke out, when families were torn apart, when the church split into multiple different factions, why would we celebrate that? Why do we wear the name Lutheran on our church? And for most of us here, on our hearts, on our identity, why are we proud to be called Lutherans? Something that comes from a time that was so controversial. Well, as with all historical discussions, it pays to talk about the why. Why did the Reformation happen? What exactly are we celebrating? Because we're not just celebrating the controversy for controversy's own sake. Nor are we really celebrating Martin Luther as a man. No, the Reformation and Trinity Lutheran Church and you as a Lutheran are a lot more focused and involved with Jesus than in a man such as Martin Luther. And you know what? Martin Luther would 100% agree with that. And so in talking about what, what the deal is with the Reformation, what's so great about it, it pays to start with Scripture, to start with the words of the man himself, of Jesus Christ, of our God. Lest we forget that even though Martin Luther in his day was public enemy number one, right? He was the most controversial figure at the time, even though now people have come to see, whether you're religious or not, the benefits of the Reformation. He was a controversial person in his day. But don't forget that Jesus, more importantly, was also a controversial figure in his day. He is now for sure. But even when Jesus walked this earth in human flesh, he stirred up controversy, didn't he? We see him doing that in John chapter 8. He's talking to a group of people that John calls the Jews who had believed in him. These people are already on your side, Jesus. They're already ready to follow you. They're already on your team. Don't poke the bear 
friendly fire. Jesus, leave them alone. They're already on your team. But Jesus is not interested in having teammates. Jesus is not interested in having fans. He's interested in having disciples. Jesus is not after a Super Bowl trophy. He's not vying for some earthly trophy or some reward, but Jesus is interested. His number one objective is the truth. And so he says to this group of Jews who believed in him, and he says to us today as well, if you want to be my disciple, and we're just going to assume that that's true for all of us here, then what do you have to do? You have to hold to my teaching, Jesus says. And that's a lot more than just reading the terms of agreement and then clicking I agree at the bottom whether or not you actually read everything. That means holding to Jesus' teaching means believing in everything that he says. If he says something about you, you accept it as true about you. If he says something about himself, you believe that it's true about him. Taking everything that Jesus says as truth. And as if Jesus is presenting us with a, a divine flow chart, it starts with, do you want to be Jesus' disciple? If yes, proceed. Do you hold to his teaching? If yes, proceed. Then you will know the truth. Not just an alternative truth, not just an option among many truths, but the singular, exclusive, absolute truth is found in Jesus' teaching. And once you know that truth, it will set you free. This is, brothers and sisters, a controversial statement, isn't it? Especially in our modern philosophical world, everyone wants to live their truth. Everyone is on their own path. And you hear it in the way that we speak about people, too. Who am I to tell someone else what to do? They're, they're free to make their own decisions. They're free to live their own truth. But Jesus says, no, there is one truth, and I'm it. And if you disagree with me, Jesus says, if you disagree with my teachings, then you are not on the side of truth. That's controversial. But that's not where the problem happens with Jesus, with this group of Jews who believed in him. That's not the issue they take with Jesus, what Jesus says. They're not bothered by Jesus' claim to exclusive, absolute truth. No, it's when Jesus promises them freedom that they get hot and bothered. How dare you offer us freedom, they say. We are Abraham's descendants. We have never been slaves to anybody. Historically, this statement couldn't be more incorrect. Far be it from a practicing person of the Jewish religion to forget the 400 years of slavery in Egypt Far be it from a Jewish person to forget the captivity in Assyria and then later Babylon where they were treated like slaves. Even on the very day that these words were spoken, you could practically see the heavy hand of the Roman Empire bearing down on Palestine, on the Jewish people. So either this group talking to Jesus is forgetful or stupid or something much worse. They understood the type of freedom Jesus was talking about. That's why they rejected it. 
They understood the type of slavery Jesus was implying that they were under, and they resented him for it. Because what does Jesus say next? Everyone who sins is a slave to sin, spiritual slavery, which is more dangerous, more deadly than living in someone's house and having to do what they say and being subject even to their beatings. Jesus is saying that unless he helps us out, unless he does something for us, we are stuck in a cycle of sin. We are wrapped up with sin only to look forward to an eternity of death unless Jesus steps in and helps us out. And that idea is so controversial because it offends our very nature. It offends my sinful heart that wants so desperately to hang on to something to take credit for that wants to say that everything's going to be okay, that I'm going to be okay because I did something. Like an answer on a test. If the question is, I'm going to be okay and God loves me because blank, the group of Jews that believed in Jesus, they filled in that blank with, because I'm Abraham's descendant. What are we tempted to fill in that blank with? Everything's going to be okay, and I am good with God, and I know God loves me because I'm a Lutheran? Because I go to church a bunch? Because I'm a pastor? Because I read my Bible? Because I pray? Because I help people out? Because I give money to this or that? No, in that blank, everything's going to be okay because if the next word is I it's immediately a wrong answer because I can do nothing. You can do nothing to save ourselves from slavery to sin. That's Jesus' big controversial statement. But it's the truth. What exactly was Martin Luther after when he walked up to the castle church in Wittenberg and nailed his 95 propositions that he wanted to discuss to the church door. He was not really after a big old argument. His goal was not to start a controversy. His goal was definitely not to start a reformation, but he wanted to have a discussion. He wanted to talk. The thing that he wanted to talk about was what the church was teaching at the time. He wanted to see... Where are you getting this from Jesus' word in the Bible? Because Martin Luther's number one concern was not an academic truth, was not a, a, a geek-out, nerdy truth that we teach the right thing about the Bible so that we can say that we're better than everyone else. Martin Luther's concern was you, the people in the pews, because at the time, Martin Luther's problem with the church was the message people were hearing from the pulpit, from the pastor, was that you better do this, you better pay that, you better do that, and then you know you're right with God. And Martin Luther says, I'm reading scripture, and that's not what Jesus says. That's not what Jesus says in Ch John chapter 8, is it? But it's not like it's complicated either. No, freedom from our sin is so easy, so simple, 
let's not make the mistake that this group of Jews who believed in him made. Let's hang up our personal pride, our desire to insert ourselves into the equation and see just how simple and easy salvation from eternal damnation is. Jesus says, I'm it. It's as simple as that. Jesus, the Son of God, came to save sinners, came to set people free from their slavery to sin. By his life, by his death, by his resurrection, Jesus did it all for you so that you are right now free. Everything is going to be okay. You know that God loves you. You know you have a good relationship with God because Jesus did it all for you. He died for you. He rose for you. He reigns at the right hand of God over all things, yes, for you. And he can do that because he's the Son of God. He didn't come as just another slave trying to show us how to be good slaves to sin. No, he came as the Almighty Son of God to turn us into sons and daughters of the Most High. And a son does what the father wants because of the relationship that they have. And that's what you have now through Christ, brothers and sisters, a relationship with God. And that's what it's all about. It happens a lot more frequently than you would think. And every time it does, it is just intensely awkward. A celebrity singer gets up before a sporting event and butchers the national anthem. Have you seen this happen? The pit in your stomach that forms when you realize that they don't really know what they're doing. You want to blame them, but at the same time, it's not super their fault because somebody dropped the ball. Maybe they found out five minutes before that they were going to sing the national anthem. But the reason that affects us so much is because that song is part of who we are as Americans, isn't it? That's a representation of what we believe about our country. And so it, it kind of hurts when they don't get it right. It kind of feels disrespectful. So my question is, if that's how we feel when someone messes up the, the, the national anthem, how does Jesus feel when people are inserting their own ideas, their own logic, their own truth into his singular, absolute, exclusive truth? That's why there are so many different teams, isn't there? Aren't most of the conversations out there in the Christian church about doctrine, about the Bible, doesn't it all come down to, most of the time, people trying to put themselves into the equation, trying to put something else in the blank except for Jesus? But what do we get when we just let Jesus speak? We see how beautiful our relationship is with him because it's something you can't lose. Jesus has made you a son, a daughter, in his name of God the Most High. That is all that matters. And Jesus is challenging the, the people listening to him at the time. He's challenging us too. Are you just going to let me speak? Or are you going to keep talking over me? Like his question to his disciple Peter, who do you say that I am? Do you say that I'm your savior, your one and only hope from slavery to sin? Or do you make me into a 
a model to follow, a wise teacher, or a guy with some good ideas? Am I everything, or am I nothing? Because there's no in-between. Christ and is really no Christ at all, is it? That, brothers and sisters, is what the Reformation was all about. It's not about Martin Luther as an individual. It's all about Christ and clearing the path so that we can walk and be drawn nearer to Christ. And that's what we're about. That's what it means to be a Lutheran, to prize nothing greater than our relationship with Christ. And that changes the, the purpose that we have for a worship service for Bible study, for an event like Trunk Retreat yesterday, for a voters meeting after, after worship today, for time that we spend with each other, even when we're just hanging out, when we're just texting each other, the purpose always comes back to, I want to know Christ. I want you to know Christ. I want to enjoy our great relationship with Christ together. Because it's so awesome what he has done for us, let's let nothing get in the way of us simply seeing Christ. That's what it's all about. God grant that that never, ever changes. In Jesus' name, amen.